All right, let's turn our Bibles to the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter number 6, Matthew chapter number 6. And while you're turning there, let me remind you, of course, every Sunday we have Sunday school at 930, and we have a great time in Sunday school in our series on stewardship at 9 o'clock. Uh, we'll have our fellowship time out in the tent, coffee, donuts, and uh, bagels. You can enjoy the breakfast, coffee, and fellowship. And then at 9.30, we'll get started. And then, of course, 10.45, our Sunday morning service. And I'll be uh, in this series from John chapter number 6 on the five loaves and two fishes for several several more weeks. And so I want just to remind you of our, our regular weekly things, but I don't want you to take it for granted and invite others to be here uh, with you. And in the course of conversation, when you're talking to people, invite them to church. Um, and uh, I had a great conversation. We, me and my two of my girls stopped and got lunch today. And uh, we started talking to one of the employees working there and got back to her, talking about her Baptist roots and how she's trying to find a church. And, and, um, and so I've got name and address. And uh, we'll we just get in the course of conversation. Of course, I was telling her, she said, what kind of church? I mean, it is it's an awesome church. I said, she, how was the service today? I said, amazing. The pastor was just like on fire. I mean, he was just, and, uh, but uh, um, you'd be surprised, and this is what she would say, I don't want one of those churches where it's just like a party. Um, I actually want, if I'm going to make the effort to be there, I, I want to get something. And so there are people out there, they want the truth. So, and when you, of course, the conversation, talk to them. And if I'm in a series like I am now, talk about the series and uh, how, uh, what God what God is doing for each of us, and so uh, I just want to remind you of that uh, every Sunday we have a great time, and we'll pick up in this series again next Sunday. Matthew six. Uh, once I start reading the text, begin in verse number twenty-four. We'll read down through the end of the chapter. Uh, you'll recognize the text; it's a familiar passage of scripture. Um, there are verses in there that I mention often. I've preached many times from from these verses, and we'll look at it once again. Uh, this evening, there are some things you and I need to be reminded of over and over and over again. Pastor, why is that? Because we're stubborn and hard-headed, and we get distracted by the cares of this world. So there's some things that's good for us to be, to revisit and be re- reminded. Uh, we, we, ought to, we ought to desire to be reminded of some things. Uh, we ought to look for opportunities to be reminded of our salvation. Um, a lot of times people get over being saved because they don't remember that they got saved. And uh, there's certain things that we want to be reminded of. And tonight, there's some principles that I want to remind us of. Tonight, I'll probably feel more like a Bible study uh, than a typical Sunday night service. So uh, hopefully you can stay awake on this. Hopefully you got a good nap in on time change Sunday. Uh, and we'll see what the Lord has for us tonight. Verse 24, no man can serve two masters. That is a declaration. Christ is saying, this is fact. And by the way, when the Bible says something is fact, you are not the exception. I'm not the exception. You're not the loophole. Uh, Here's a fact. No man can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other. Have you ever noticed that sometimes people, they, they, they attend church, they're even a member, they're even involved, and all of a sudden their attitude and spirit changes towards the things of God? Why, why is that? Why do some people feel all of a sudden feel more comfortable with people outside of the church than inside the church? What's, well, Jesus is telling us right here. No man can serve two masters. 
for either he will hate the one and love the other. Sometimes you may, you young people, you teenagers may wonder why your parents take such a hard stand on things. Or maybe you're like, well, pastor, I don't know why he feels the way he feels about this, but don't bring this up because my, my family has learned, my, my wife and my, and my girls, they can say certain things. And we can be, it could be 9 o'clock at night, us sitting around talking. Uh, we can be in a store, and then all of a sudden the preacher's coming out. I mean, it's just, I feel that they know that certain things don't bring up. There's some things you just don't say in my house. You, you, you don't say Oprah. <laughs> uh, there's just a lot of things you just don't say in my house um, because I feel very strongly about it. If you love the one, you're going to hate the other. You hate the one, you're going to love the other. No man can serve two masters. We make the Christian life a lot more complicated than it is. There are matters of life that are complicated, but our response to them really is not complicated. And if we'll allow the Word of God to govern our lives, uh, it can remove the drama. I, I, I am not a drama person. To get rid of, I do not want. I do not want the drama. What does the Bible say you're supposed to do? Do it and deal with the drama that way. Um, but Jesus says, "No man can serve two masters. For he will, either he will hate the one and love the other." By the way, if your spirit and attitude starts changing about the things of God, you ought to come back to this passage of scripture, and you ought to reevaluate what I'm going to preach on tonight. Who's in, who's in charge of my life? Because the world and God are not going the same way. So if we're following one one way, we are not going to line up with the other. The most miserable person on this planet is not a lost person. It is a saved individual, a child of God, who's trying to live like a lost person. They are miserable. No matter what they post on Facebook of how they've been freed and liberated, they, if you've got to tell me you've, you're free and liberated, that just tells me you, you're not. You've traded one master for another. Isn't God a good master? Isn't he a benevolent master? Um, uh, this, so if, if you ever find yourself in this conflict, here's the principle right here. Or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God in mammon. Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, uh, nor yet for your body, what ye shall put on. Is not the life more than meat, and the body than raiment? Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye much better than they? Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto his stature? And why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is, and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Christ ties faith to you cannot serve two masters. He, because it is a faith issue, we're going to look at that in a moment. Look at verse 31. Therefore take no thought, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or withal shall we be clothed? Uh, ladies, don't use that verse on your husband when he asks you, where do you want to eat? Well, we don't take no thought of that. You know, I give advice to these young men in their premarital counseling that is something you just need to understand. 
If you ask her where you want to go eat, she's going to say wherever you want. And then when you get there, she's going to say anywhere but here. <laughs> so just understand that that's what that means, but that's not the context of the scripture. Okay, let's get back to, to this. Verse 32, for after all these things do the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. And we find in verse 24, our text tonight, no man can serve two masters. And with the title of the message tonight, I want to ask you a question. Whom do you serve? Who is it? Who do you say, I serve God? Okay. Um, I hope that's true in all of our lives. But there's going to be some things that Christ recorded in Scripture for us that is going to reveal to us who we serve. Just because we declare something does not make it so. Just because we want it to be true doesn't make it so. Just because in, in our heart we want this to be true, and we know who God is, and we say, I, I, I serve God, but our actions, and there's some things that are going to reveal to us um, as we've been talking about stewardship, we've been all been reminded that we have one life. Just one. God has entrusted this one life to me to use to His honor and glory. How can we do that if He's not our Master? How can we really give Him honor and glory if somebody else is our Master? Tonight I want to ask you that question, who do you serve? Father, use the Word of God to help us to guide us in areas where we need to be convicted, may we be convicted. And Father, may we never try and avoid the conviction, but may we look for it, because it's that which keeps us from drifting too far from you, is that which makes us more like your son. Father, I pray that we would all be challenged tonight, we'd all be encouraged by the fact that you care for us, you watch over us, you provide for us, you want to meet our needs. Father, I pray that we'll be helped by your word, for it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. A familiar passage of Scripture, and we're going to end with verse uh, 33 and verse 34. A passage of Scripture I, I, I love. It's one of those that I remind myself of daily, uh, how we're supposed to seek the things of God first. A lot of stewardship, as we saw this morning, is really priority. Much in our life, we have to prioritize that which is import, most important to us. Uh, and that's the much, that, that, that lot of your battles, a lot of your victory is won just by getting the, the priorities set where they need to be set. And once they're there, you just live by those priorities. And really, this passage of Scripture is a lot about the priorities we have in our life. And uh, the Lord asks a, a, makes a, a bold and makes a true statement, no man can serve two masters. Now, to that crowd that day, why did he make that statement? Because those people are a lot like us people. We have a tendency to try and serve two masters, or we don't pay enough attention to who our master is. 
A lot of times we look at this passage of Scripture of, well, I've got to decide, I've got to decide, and you do have to decide. Most people don't linger in that decision. Most of the time we have a master, and we don't even realize they're our master. If you serve God long enough, some things will become second nature to you. It's like when Sunday morning comes around, there's not a discussion in the household. What are we doing today? What's going to go on today? This is because our master has said, this is what we do. We have to always be deciding and evaluating who is our master and make the decision that the right ma- we have the right master. A couple of things by way of introduction that ought to help us in deciding who the master is. It ought to help us in evaluating who our master is this evening. Obviously, there are two masters being spoken of here. One is God. The other is the world, the world system. It's amazing to me how many Christians are guided by this world. Their security is in this world. Uh, their, 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 their peace is of this world. Um, I'll be happy today if this world tells me I should be happy. I'll be unhappy today if the world tells me, you know you people are supposed to be unhappy tonight. I mean, you're in a Bible preaching, Bible uh, believing Baptist church, you're supposed to be miserable. Yeah, you don't look as miserable, like some of you look pretty miserable, but that has nothing to do with who your master is. But uh, it, w- the point is, uh, this world tells us, tells us how we're supposed to rear our kids. The world, we're not supposed to follow the world system. We're not supposed to follow the things of this world. Christ spoke enough about that. But he makes a statement, no man can serve two masters. You're going to have to decide at one point or another, if you've been saved for a short period of time, you've been in church for a short period of time, Every young person, every young adult, you have to decide at some point, who's my master? Eventually, one will give way to the other. And according to what Christ said, and I would say he's the authority that we need to listen to, you can't love them both. Those who have the most vile, the most bitterness, towards the Bible-preaching church they grow up in are the ones who've given themselves to this world system. Because Christ said it would be that way. You can't serve two masters. You'll love the one, you'll hate the other. You'll cling to the one, hold to the one, you'll despise the other. But there's a couple things I want to point out by way of introduction. Look at me at verse number 24. No man can serve two masters, for he will hate the one and love the other. We've been discussing this, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. Notice this last phrase, you cannot serve God and mammon. Well, notice Christ made a definitive statement. You cannot serve God and mammon. Now, here's the question I want to ask you based on that statement as we look at this by way of introduction tonight. Who do you trust? God or mammon? Who do you trust? If we were to take God's resume... In Mammon's resume, who would you trust? I think the answer is pretty obvious. We can trust God. God it is who gave us this life. God it is who gave us a Savior. God it is who cares for us. And Jesus is going to go on and remind uh, them that, that how much God does care for them. And even a, a, an animal doesn't worry about whether or not it's going to get food or not because it knows it's going to be taken care of. And we have so much more value than that. We, who do you trust? Can I go on record tonight to say that I trust God? I believe God. When I say I believe God, I believe this book. 
I believe every word of it. I believe it's true. I believe the principles in this book are true. And if it, sometimes we look at it and say, well, nothing's happened yet, it will because God is true. His word is true. I believe God. This world says you have to do A, B, and C in order to be happy. You have to pursue all of these things in order to be happy. But God says you do the opposite of that. You follow me. You trust me. You serve me. You offer your life to me. Now, who are you going to believe? Now, I, I, for me, I, I'm going to believe God. So that's the question that we have to answer tonight. For you to decide who your master is, you've got to answer that question. First of all, who do you trust? Can I say to you, and I want every young person, you haven't lived life long enough to really fully understand this, but you can trust God. You can trust Him. You can put your faith in Him. So who do you believe? By way of introduction, let's look at also verse number 26. Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Look at this question. This is a series of questions and statements that the Lord makes. Are ye not much better than they? One thing we as Christians, we people in general, but certainly God's, God's children, we have to be reminded of the word value. But Christ is saying, you've got so much more value than the fowls of the air. You know, this world, you have value to this world until they take what they want from you, then you have no value. No value. What I'll be reminded of us, you know what this world likes to do? This world likes to take innocent lives and kill them. These unborn children, they have no value in their mind. That, that's, that's the, young people, listen to me. Hear this. Hear your pastor give a word of warning tonight. Those that you're deciding God or a man, and they're the very people that will take these unborn children and slaughter them. You think you bring value to them? No, you, they want what you have, and they take it from you, and your life will be worthless to them. It's a matter of value. Who values you? And to everybody in this building tonight, you have value. I don't care what you've been through. I don't care the mistakes you've been made. I don't care what talents you don't have, abilities. This world may say you have no value, but I'm telling you there's a God in heaven who sits on his throne, and you have value to him. Value is determined by the amount somebody's willing to pay for it. Some of you have some treasures that mean nothing to anybody else. The, the whole free market operates on this. Why is something worth more than something else? It's because somebody's willing to pay for it. Why does the housing market go up? Because somebody's willing to pay that amount for that house. Why would it go down? Because somebody's not willing to pay that amount. It's the free market. Let's use those same principles to a life. A life is worth what somebody is willing to pay for it. And my Bible reminds me, reminds you, that the God of heaven left his throne, came to this earth, and died for you, and paid your sin debt. How much value does a life have? How much value does a soul have if God in heaven would say, I'll go down, I'll take on flesh, I'll be mocked, I'll be persecuted, I'll be, I'll be nailed to a cross, I'll take on their sins, I'll suffer their payment. I'm willing to do that for them. 
That's value. So as we determine who's going to be our master, who places the greater value on us? A system, a master that wants to use us? Or a master who values us? Let me remind you, if you have never shed a tear, God didn't catch it. You have never been alone when God wasn't in your presence. You've never been afraid when God's watchful eye wasn't watching your situation. What value? Who puts the most value on you? Well, the introduction alone ought to remind us of why we ought to serve God as our master. Let me make just a few observations from this passage of Scripture, and, and we'll go home. Look at me at verse number 25. I'm going to give you some good advice from the words of the Lord. He has said, you cannot serve God a man, and we've established that. Verse 25, therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life. Let me say number one, don't overthink it. I can't tell you how many times I have many of you come to me for counsel and advice. And I listen to you, and I say, you're overthinking it. Well, I have a tendency to overthink. Yeah, we all do. Jesus said, don't overthink it. God's going to take care of you. Now, this is what we do. We're not putting all of us in this together because all of us at some point do, do this. We know God's going to take care of us because he tells us that. But we begin to overthink it, and it's like, okay. How? Well, he's just going to provide for you when you need it. Okay. okay. Can I see that on paper? Well, he'll provide when, when you're weak, he'll make it. Okay, how? By what means is God going to do that? Let me remind you, he says, take no thought for your life, what you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor, nor yet for your body, what you shall put on. Is not the life more than meat and, and the body than raiment? He goes in to talk about the fowls. Aren't you worth more than them? Don't overthink it. I don't have to think about who my master is because there's one that's going to take care of me. Don't overthink it. Every single one of us tonight, if we were to take the time to let you give a word of testimony, you would have to give testimony. You can't explain how God got you this far. You can't explain how you got through uh, those things in, in, in your past. You can't explain the, how you got through the valley. You can't explain even when you were away from God, how God didn't forsake you. You can't explain why a loving God would save you. You can't explain why a loving God would bless you. We, we, the truth of the matter is we, we clean up real nice, but we, we are but, but dust, and God still blesses us. We can't explain that. And if we were honest, we'd have to say, I don't know how it happened. God just took care of me. God just took care of it. God just solved the problem. So why are we stressing over it? Why are we overthinking it? Uh, the Lord says, don't overthink it. Take no thought for your life. Let's just, the offertory that was played, trust and obey. If you obey, you can't obey unless you're trusting. If you're going to trust, you're going to obey. Uh, let, let's live that way. 
We're going to obey somebody. We're going to trust somebody. So number one, don't overthink it. Number two, let's go back to verse 30. Wherefore, if God so clothe the grass of the field, which today is, and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Statement number two is this. It is a matter of where you put your faith. Why, 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 he says, you, you, you're worried about this world system and it providing for you? Oh, ye of little faith. Look at what God has done. Think about the, the detail that God goes into with the fowls of the air, with the grass of the field. Where is your faith? It's no matter where you put your faith in. Child of God, don't have more faith in your employer than you have in God. I know, Pastor, what you're saying, but they've taken care of me. Listen to what you're saying. You think that, you think you bring, well, I bring value to that company as long as you make them money. But with God, you could be in the pig pen in the far country. And you haven't lost value to God. Where's your faith? I hope we're not dependent on the government tonight to help us. I hope we've learned that a long time ago. I hope we're not even dependent on man while God uses men and uses us to help one another. Ultimately, it is God that provides for us. Where are you going to put your faith? My faith is not in a stimulus check. My faith is not in a government. My faith is not in man's system. My faith is in God, who's above all those things. It is a matter of faith. And sometimes, and in all of our lives, many times, God is going to test that faith. Let me just remind you that when you say, I'm going to give it all to God, he's going to say, okay, Let's see if you mean what you say. I remind you, I've used him as an illustration a few times in Sunday school, that rich young ruler. Hey, it's, it's trending to be a disciple of Christ right now. It's popular. Look at the crowds. Oh, I see those crowds, and I see those men who are next to him, those disciples. That's what I want to be. Lord, I want to be your disciple, that rich young ruler. Okay, go give all of your wealth away. Okay, what else can I do? I want to be your disciple. Lord went right to the heart of the matter. That which was most important to him was that world system. That which was most important to him was that wealth. Well, that rich young ruler did not understand that if you had the master, if you had the savior, you didn't need the world system. You didn't need, you didn't even need to have, know where your next meal was coming from because as we've been we reminded on Sunday morning, he can take five loaves and two fishes and feed 5,000 people. And you and I tonight, as long as we have God, as long as we're seeking his face, as long as we're obeying him, as long as we're trusting him, as long as our faith is in him, we're going to be okay. This point reminds us, helps us come back to one of the statements I made in our introduction is, who do you trust? I hope you don't 
trust Congress. I don't trust the Democrats. Well, I don't trust the Republicans. At least the Democrats tell you what they are. The Republicans say, I'm like you to get your vote, but they're really like them. I hope we're not tr- you're not trusting your government. Trust God. And if God uses a, 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 an employer to provide for you, praise God for it. If God, if God uses some other means to take care of you, praise God for it. But where is your faith? Where is your trust? Number three, verse number 32. For after all these things do the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knoweth. I have that word circled in my Bible. Knoweth that ye have need of all these things. The third statement is very simply this. God knows what you need. Can you, I can, I can, I, I don't know, just, I'm, I'm sure I'm weird in my thinking. But as I read the words of the Savior, I try to imagine what His voice sounds like. I'm looking forward to seeing the Lord one day. I'm looking forward to hearing His voice. Can you, can you imagine the, the, the soothing qualities the voice of the Lord must have had? This is the voice of God. And as he's speaking to this group of people, he says, the Father knoweth. But, 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 but Jesus, we need this, and Jesus, I, we get hungry, and Jesus, we, 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 we are flesh, and, and Jesus, we get tired, and I got a family to take care of, and, 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 and I don't know how we're going to do all of these things, and and, and, and you're wanting me to give, be willing to give up everything to follow you. And, 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 and I'm not against that, but I, I'm going to need... And he says, the Father knoweth. I can imagine all the needs that are represented in this room. There are needs in this room. Can you imagine the needs of every child of God? And the Father knoweth every one. When you go to your knees in prayer tomorrow morning, as I hope you do, and say, Lord, I need this. Would you provide this? Would you do this? He knows your need. As you go throughout the day and you're waiting for that answer, He knows your need. Uh, as you're deciding your two masters or this world entices you to change masters, don't leave the one who knows every need you have. That's why we, we ought to be convicted, all of us in this area, to go to God more when it comes to our needs. It's not like we're letting him, him in on a secret. I've had this said to me many times as, as the pastor. Pastor, I didn't want to come to you early because I didn't want to burden you. I didn't want you to know. I didn't want you to... Well, you're not burdening me by now. Now there's a bigger issue because you waited so long to let me know. But uh, you're not burdening. You're not ever burdening me to, to, to let me know what you need. Or I can at least pray with you. I may not be able to solve the problem. I can at least pray with you. But that's never have God. I just wouldn't want to burden you with this. I mean, think of how silly that sounds. He already knows. He knows what you need. And then verse 33 is what I like to call number four, our plan of action. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. You want to know, you want to give a good test of, of whether or not God or mammon is your master. Whose will do you seek first?
Seek ye first. You want God to be your master? Seek His will first. I give this counsel much to our young people, but to, 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 to all ages, really, because we all have a problem with it. Don't go into this world because you're looking for everything God said He's going to give you. We've got a great group of singles, single adults. Great group. Very proud of them. Let me remind you, you don't have to go into this world to find you a spouse. i got to find me one. You may not like what you find. God said he'll give you. But I know that I've made myself available to God. If this doesn't work out, what am I going to do? He said he would give you. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. You can spend your whole life pursuing the things that God said he'll just add to you. But you've been serving the Lord a long time. Have you ever stopped to, to look behind you and see what God's added to you? We just get busy serving the Lord and following him, and he just adds to us and adds to us and adds to us and adds to us. Then one day we stop and take inventory and say, how in the world did I get here? How in the world did I get through that? How in the world did I, do I have what I have? He added it. But how, why does he add it? Because you seek him first. We ought to seek him whether he has anything or not because he's worthy of that. But God is such a good God, he said, I'll add you the things that you desire. I'll add you the things you need. I'll just give them to you. I'll add them if you'll just seek me. You young people have surrendered your life to the Lord and you want to pursue pursue God using you, using your life. You don't need a backup plan. Oh, so we're hearing this all over the world. Oh, I just I better get me a, a career backup plan. Well, why don't you just let God give you one? Let, let God add to you. There's some of you, and I was in one conversation before the service tonight, there's some of you, you're in a line of work, you have no idea how you got there. But you're doing well in it. You know why? Because God orchestrated that. God designed that. He added it to you. We can spend our life wasting our life seeking the things of this world, or we can lay up treasures in heaven we could honor God with our life by seeking Him and Him adding to us. It's much better when God gives it than when we have to go take it. And I'm not even speaking of necessarily bad things, but it's so much better when God will just give them to us. Who do you serve? Let the Scripture, and I'm preaching to you what I remind myself of. I don't ever want to preach a message for the applause of men. I don't ever want to make a decision based on how it will be accepted by the brethren. I don't, if, it, if, there's, a, if there's a message that needs to be preached and it, it bothers you, you'll have to take that up with the Lord because I want to be faithful, I want to be obedient. But you know, all of us have a tendency, we want people to like us. We want people to say, oh, that's a, that's a great message, Pastor. That's wonderful. Now when somebody says that to me, I was like, oh boy, they're buttering me up or something. You get the point I'm making tonight. Who do you trust? 
I trust God. If you want to be able to say, I serve God, are you getting a little to the point where I just don't like being around everybody at church? I'm a very observant person. I mentioned this a couple times in the fellowships this past week. During the song service, I'm scanning the crowd, see who's here, see who's not here. Scan the crowd to see who's singing. Not because I'm going to throw a songbook at you if you're not. Because it gives me an idea of where you are on that day. I look to see if shoulders are stooped, to see if there's a smile, to see if there's a heaviness. I'm sure I don't notice everything, but I notice a lot. But I also notice, boy, so-and-so used to get here real early. They used to stay around and talk. And now you can't find them. I'm not talking about one time. I'm talking about it's a regular thing. See, Pastor, where in the Bible does it say? It doesn't say anywhere. Don't miss the point. Especially if that same individual, and, I, I, and this, is, this, is, this is on purpose why I stay off social media. Well, they can make it to the work party, but they can't make it to the campaign fellowship. They can hang out with friends, but they can't come to Soul Winning. All I'm saying tonight is, who's your master? Who, who, who are you trying to please? You cannot, you're going to serve one. One is going to require your extra time, just like the other one does. One is going to require your finances. Well, at least where I go down here, they don't beat me up about money. And if you feel beat up about money when you come to church, it's probably because the Holy Spirit is saying you might want to give it. Um, but you're going to spend the money one way or another. You just may spend it on the things of this world. How much better is it to spend it on the things that last for eternity? I think you get the point that I'm making tonight. Seek ye first. If you're at a crossroads tonight and you got a decision to make, let me just remind you one more time of who puts the most value on you. Oh, I, I, I want these young people to be reminded, these teenagers and young adults and even the children that are, that are in the service. This world doesn't care a thing about you. It doesn't care a thing. And I wish you had a sense of understanding of the heartbreak that comes when somebody serves this world. This world is not a benevolent taskmaster. This world is cruel. There is a prince in the power of the air that runs this world system. Know the heartache that's there, the heartbreak that's there, the struggle that is there. Uh, oh, I hope you just take your pastor's word for it. You don't want to go down that road.
But you know, as a church, we need to make sure we're serving God and not this world system. That's why our, cha- our standards can't change. That's why the music's not going to change. Our music is good. Why would we want to change it? It's a blessing. Why would we want to change it? We know why churches are changing their music to reach the world. What kind of music? You, re- you have to reach the world with the world. I, I've got, when people come to church on Sunday morning, I don't want them to feel like it, it felt where they were Saturday night. That's why we have to stay dedicated. We have to stay serving. I think the point's been made tonight. You can't ask, who, who, who are you serving? Father,